so I want to get into the Word this evening. Um, you know, I feel so heavy in my spirit of the last few months in, 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 you know, that I feel like God is really wanting to speak to His church. Can you hear me clearly? Is it okay? Is the sound okay? <clears throat> my dad's like a sound guy, so I checked with him. <laughs> so, I, feel, I feel such a burden for the church. And, you know, God wanting to bring His church into, into unity in the Spirit. We will never agree on everything. That's impossible because we are different. Our perspective is different. People that grow up in certain places have a certain perspective. People that, you know, we're not the same. So we can't always be exactly the same, but in the spirit, we can all be in unity because we all have the same spirit. The true church all has the same spirit. And so the Bible is the most powerful thing that we have. It's the most powerful advice book of direction, manual on how to live, whatever you want to call it, other than the Word of God, which in itself is more than enough to satisfy me 100%. It is, it is the most powerful thing that we have to give us direction in our lives on what we should do, how we should do it. And the Bible really tells us and warns us about so many different things. We have to pay attention to what the Word of God says. It's a little sharp, guys. I don't know if you can fix that, but I would really appreciate it if you can. Because otherwise, if I get like, just a little excited, it's going to go, we don't want that. You know, there's a lot of things going on on the earth right now, and there are three primary things that will always be taking place. There is a purpose for the world. There is a purpose for Israel. And there is a purpose for the church. God's timeline is always moving forward with those three peoples. Those three peoples, there, there is there, the purposes and plans for God or that God has will be fulfilled for the world, for the church, and for the children of Israel. For the, Israelite, for the Israelis. There's no question about that. That's just how it is. And it's important that we, that we pay attention to certain things in Scripture because the church can become a little bit, we can become a little bit reckless sometimes or comfortable. And if you really want to see what the Lord has to say about the church in the end times, it's really easy. Just go to the book of Revelation and there are seven addresses to seven churches. Those addresses are pretty stern. They commend in certain ways, and then in other ways, they rebuke. And when we read those things, we're like, oh, no, this is, this is too much, and it's too hard. No, it's exactly what the church needs to hear. You see, God is a God of love and mercy and His presence and all the stuff that we enjoy and love so much. But God cares about you so much that He wants you to live with Him in eternity. He wants you to finish your race strong. How many of you believe that? I want to read to you from the book of Jude. Not often preached out of the book of Jude because it's, it's a pretty stern book. But I think it's so powerful because you must remember, whenever you study Scripture, 
there's the primary or the main framework of the Bible. The Bible has a framework. And whenever you look at anything, you look at God's bigger picture. In that, you realize a few things, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that He never changes. Okay, amen. All right. Jude 3. Let's go there. Jude 3. I'm reading out of the NLT version just to make it plain. Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted, to, entrusted once for all, to, all time to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. I'm just going to let that sink in. I don't think I'll read it again. Should I read it again? No. Okay. I want you to understand that it's such an urgent letter because he's trying to say, listen, I need you to be aware of this. I want you to recognize that this is the second last book in the Bible. This is the last book before the, the book of Revelation. This is the last address that we have. This is the last warning to us or letter to us or instruction to us that we have from Scripture outside of an end-time prophetic book, the book of Revelation. And it starts with like a warning. And it warns us about the state of the church, of what's happening back then. And these things have not changed over the years. These things that they had to be cautious of then, we have to be cautious of now. Let's read it one more time. Is that okay? Let's just start at verse 4. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. That condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only master and Lord Jesus Christ by what they did, by what they say. So I want to remind you, Though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. Everybody look at me. That's a warning. He's telling you that this has already happened once before. Be careful that you don't find yourself in the same position. He's just warned us about being cautious of taking advantage or thinking that grace enables us or allows us to live a certain way or do a certain thing or teach a certain thing to get to a place where we lead people astray. Some have wormed their way into the church to lure some astray. And the reason primarily why people will do that is because it's popular. It's comfortable. Are you with me, guys? I, I, you know, the, the Bible is clear that we're in a war. The Bible is clear that we have to pick up our cross. Yes, we have God's love. We have God's mercy. How deep and how great and how wide is His love. There's nothing that compares to it. There's no question about it. That's why God is warning you. He's warning us as a church. He's warning the body of Christ to take note of these things that were recorded 2,000 years ago. 
that these same things will continue to happen as time goes on, as we get closer and closer to the end of the age. We focus our attention so much on certain parts of Scripture and neglect these weighty things when God's primary desire for you and I is to serve Him in eternity. This is like, this is like, the, the, like the preparation of your life. Your life only starts when you die from this earth and go into the next one. There is a time where God will recreate everything, a new heaven and a new earth, and then our purpose will be fully revealed to us in that day. It doesn't matter, listen, it doesn't matter whether you believe me or not. That's not, it's, my opinion really doesn't matter. This is going to happen. The Bible tells us it's going to happen. So we must pay attention. I want you to see, God will not be mocked. Are you with me, guys? And listen, you are awesome. You guys here at Oceans, you love God. You serve the Lord. You, 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 you do everything with excellence. I'm amazed. So I'm not preaching at this to you because I'm rebuking you, because I think you're evil or bad. That's not the case at all. It's a warning. It's something that we should pay attention to. And this isn't my primary text. I threw this in 10 minutes before I ended. Because the Lord just showed me this, put this in there. We're going to get to where he's going to warn us about what will happen in the last days. But this just ties in. It's so important that we take note. These things are there to help us. Then he says in verse 6, And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely changed in prison of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. Boom. What's the point? God's not, he's the same. Disobedience and, and rebellion ends up causing problems for us. So what's the moral of the story? Don't be rebellious. Amen. Stay close to God. You're going to mess up. He told us you will. That's why Jesus came and died for you, so that you can still be redeemed, so that you can still be righteous, even in your weakness. But that doesn't mean that we take advantage of that and say, oh, well, you know, it's all done. I can just do whatever I want. It doesn't work that way. Oh, well, you know, Pastor Alex, you know, I got saved, and that's the end of that. I can live how I want, do what I want. I'm going to get to heaven. I don't know so much. God is not different. He has worked in certain ways with certain things right from even before we were on this planet. Come on, somebody. I didn't say it. It's in the Bible. The warning is there. He talks about the dangers. He speaks about the dangers of living a certain way, acting a certain way. Then he gives the example of the deliverance of the children of Israel. And then because of rebellion, they all got destroyed. Then he gives another example. He talks about the angels that were in rebellion and they are waiting judgment. Maybe we should pay attention. Isaiah 5.20 See, these things are not something that we should really take lightly. They are serious. And I, I don't want to say this to you in a way that makes you like afraid or, or filled with condemnation. That's not my goal. 
my goal is to try and help you understand that, listen, the way you live your life and the way you walk your walk is important. What you do, what you allow in your life is so important. Listen to what Isaiah says in Isaiah 5 verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light. What does that mean? That means they call something that is evil good or something that is in darkness, they call it light. So something that God would call this is darkness, this isn't good, this is bad, they call it light. Or something that they call they call uh, good that is actually evil in God's eyes. He says, woe to those. How many of you think that's a warning? I think that's a warning that we should pay attention to. I think that in our walks with God, we should pay attention to these things. You know, I was with Dr. Brown and he shared with me, we were, we were talking a little bit and, you know, we were, we were discussing kind of like, I don't even remember the exact context of what it was, but he, he was saying to me, you know, when things happen or when you get challenged or when, you know, something goes wrong, he said to me, Alex, he said, get low, get humble, get low, because God always, he always blesses those who are humble. He always forgives those that are humble. He rejects the proud. He does not reject the humble. So get low. When you, instead of getting, instead of getting defensive or angry when things don't go our way or when, when, we don't, when, when things don't happen the way we like them to happen, instead of getting you know, prideful or arrogant, let's get low. Amen? Okay, I know this isn't like, you know, as, you know, very exciting, but it's so important. It's so important, guys. And I wouldn't preach it if I didn't love you. I, you know, I used to say care about you, but I've gone beyond that now. Now I love you, okay? So now I, I teach you this because I love you. Because I, my, my, my success is your success. If you don't succeed, I don't succeed. I need, you to be, I need you to be successful. I need you to make it. And not only make it, but make it in glory. Make it with, from faith to faith and from glory to glory. Get to heaven and let there be a parade when you arrive. That's what I want for you. So I might tell you some things sometimes, but I'm, I can assure you it's in no way because I feel like beating you. My wife said to me the other night, she said to me, you know, your son today, he, he was really, really naughty and you have to give him a hiding and I said to her and if you don't believe in hidings read the Bible you guys are funny okay let's just move on so I'm, I'm at home and I'm like I don't feel like and he's so cute and he's, he's you know he's so it's your daddy and you know and I'm like I've got to give him a, I've got to spank him now you know and I know that if I don't do it he's not going to learn I know that I have, to, I have to do and I have to discipline him because if I don't discipline him, he's going to grow up undisciplined. He's not going to understand that there are consequences when we do things wrong. Are you with me? So I, I had to do it. And it was horrible and I spanked him and then I went to the room and I was like all upset and then I went out to see if he still loves me, you know. <clears throat> I don't enjoy it. But I know how important it is. That's why I can't always come in here and just lay hands and prophesy as much as I enjoy it. Listen, I like it more than you. And everybody loves it normally. 
But when you come in and you preach a message that can save somebody's life, people get upset and they get offended and they shouldn't. I want you to understand that what I'm about to read to you comes at the end of Paul's life. Paul said a lot of things. He taught a lot of things. He instructed us in many, many things. And we know it's the end of Paul's life because he writes his second letter to Timothy, his spiritual son. Most agree this was the last letter that he wrote. Some say he wrote this in the same year that he died, around, around 67 AD, somewhere around there. And at the end of Timothy, or in Timothy 4, 6, he, he, he tells us, he says, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. So this, this letter was written right at the end. And when he, when, he, when he writes this letter, he says something that is so important for us to take note of. He, 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 let's go to 2 Timothy 3, verse number 1. He says, but know this. What he's trying to say is, listen, what I'm about to tell you, know this, it's going to happen. Timothy, you need to know this. Are you guys with me? That in the last days, perilous times will come. It's interesting because if you think about it in a practical sense, he's writing to Timothy, warning Timothy Timothy probably thinks this is going to happen in his lifetime. You see, what most people don't understand is that the last days began on the day of Pentecost. That's when the last days began. Because Paul, Peter got up and he prophesied it, that this is the, the dispensation, this is the last, this is it. Yes, it's been 2,000 years, but in the, in the mind of God and in God's timeline, 2,000 years is nothing. So you must understand we're in the last days and we have been for a long time. And God is busy on the planet right now in the last days. And most of us have a sense that we are closer to the last of the last days. Most of us agree that we can sense in our spirit that something's happening. But I've taught you that no one knows the day, no one knows the hour. I don't care who they are. Are you guys with me? So we understand that. Now he tells us that in the last days, perilous times will come. In other words, I think what he's trying to tell us is that as time goes on, this will increase. You will see this, perilous times will come. And as we get closer and closer to the end, these things will increase. But what I want you to know is I guarantee you, Timothy saw it 2,000 years ago. These things manifested themselves in the church 2,000 years ago. But as time goes on, we know that Scripture warns us about a divide at the end between the true and the false church. We will see an increase of this, of people that will decide to follow a certain way. And that's scary. Perilous times will come. What does that mean? The word perilous means difficult, troublesome, hard. It even means violent or threatening, dangerous, perilous times, dangerous times, difficult times. And then he goes on and he tells us what it will look like. He says, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, 
unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Let's stop there. Now, in the past, I would just read over this and, you know, you can figure it out. And you can, but I want to go through them tonight. We're going to dive into it tonight. We're going to go deeper this evening. So it's not difficult to see that the first one that he says is lovers of themselves. See, people will begin to be more concerned about their own ways, their own desires, what they want more than anything else. They will love themselves more than anything. You are supposed to love yourself, but not in a way where it trumps God. Are you guys with me? So they will become lovers of themselves. Now, we could obviously dive really deep into this, but I'm going to just sort of go through them quickly. Lovers of money. People will become lovers of money. We all need money. I'm not saying that you mustn't have money. Have money, but don't become a lover of money. Don't put money above God. Don't make money your greatest priority. God says that he's jealous, that we should love him first, that we should love him more than anything else. So don't love money more than you love God. In the last days, you will see people motivated to do the most horrendous things motivated by their love for money. Money will become their desire to the point where they won't care how many people die. Come on, we've seen things in the last few years that possibly was you know, in, in, instrumental through the hands of individuals. This, this is a possibility today. What's the motivation? Power and love of money. Are you guys with me? Now these things are things we're going to see. He says, boasters, boasters. What does that mean? They become braggers. They become braggers. They brag and they boast in themselves. Proud. They become proud. The next one is proud. They become arrogant. They become blasphemers. In other words, they speak against God. They speak against God's ways. They speak against people. They become blasphemers of God. They become blasphemers of people. The next one is so important. And this, this is one that we don't, we don't talk about enough in the church. And sometimes I think the reason why is because, because not everybody has children. So we don't want to talk about it because many of the audience don't have children. But the reality is it's so important that people will become disobedient to their parents. And as I said to you just a little while ago, the problem with children that are disobedient to their parents is that they grow up disobedient. And then they become disobedient adults. And we have a lawless society. And a lawless society breeds anarchy. We're seeing it in an increased measure. We're seeing these things in an increased measure. He says that there will be unthankful. In other words, they'll be ungrateful, ungrateful people. These people will be increasing in this ungratefulness or unthankfulness. They will be unholy. These unholy people, that's not necessarily like, like, like I'm so holy. It means basically what it really suggests is, is that, they, that, they, that, that nothing to them is sacred. Nothing to them is sacred. They are an unholy people and they become increasingly unholy. It sounds terrible, right? Don't worry, it's not you. Unloving. They're an unloving people. They, they are heartless. They are, they are people that don't have feeling. They are quick to harm somebody. They are unloving people. 
they become more and more unloving. I remember growing up as a young boy thinking to myself, I don't understand why someone would want to hurt someone else. Why someone would intentionally go out to harm somebody else. It's one of the most horrible things when someone is motivated to actually harm another human being. That's what it means. Are you guys with me? You'll see more and more of that increase as time goes on. Unloving people, they'll be an unforgiving people. In other words, when, when someone says, listen, I'm sorry, they're not gonna forgive you. They're gonna wanna hold on to it. They're gonna wanna hold on to that unforgiveness. These things will increase. Perilous times will come. And these individuals in these perilous times will increase more and more in this. And I believe we're seeing it right now in an increased measure. And I believe as time goes on and we get closer and closer to the end, so it will increase even more. Slanderers. Slanderers are gossipers. I don't need to explain that. I think you all know what that means. They will have no self-control. Without self-control, they'll have no self-control in anything in their lives. They'll just want pleasure in every area and desire to be pleased in everything. And you must understand, if you're going to serve the Lord, it doesn't work that way. Brutal. They're going to be brutal. They're going to be savage. They're going to be wild. They're just going to just be free to do whatever they want. I've even heard sometimes, and don't get mad at me, but even in the church, you know, we're free. What does free mean? It doesn't mean that you behave like an animal. I don't want to spend more time there. Despisers of good. In other words, they have no desire to do what is good. They are traitors. They betray you. They betray you quickly. Oh my gosh, have I seen it in the church? I've seen how people are becoming more and more quickly, quicker. They, they betray just like this. Headstrong. Headstrong is, is, is someone that is hasty and out of control. They, they're headstrong. They've made up their mind. They're out of control. There's nothing you can do to stop them. These things will increase. I'm nearly done. Don't worry. Just take a deep breath. We're nearly there. Are you guys okay? This is so important right now. They are haughty. In other words, they become puffed up. They become conceited. It's all about themselves. And then he ends the list off by saying, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. In other words, I want to be happy. And it doesn't matter what God says. I want to do it my way. I want to do what makes me happy. I want to do what makes me comfortable. And the problem is, as soon as you say anything against that, you become arch enemy number one. So he warns and he says, listen, this is what's going to happen. Then he says in verse number five, he says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. In other words, these individuals will have a form of godliness, but you must turn away from them. What is he saying? They're in the church. This is not the world. This list is not the list about the world. Yes, you will see this in the world, but he's talking about in the church. When you read this list, you're thinking, this is the world. Yes, this is the world. And this is a carnal nature. These are carnal natures. Are, are you guys with me? But in the end, what's going to happen is the church is slowly but surely going to become more carnal. 
and not desire to do the things of God. Because as it says at the beginning of the list, he says, he says that they will be lovers of themselves. And at the end of the list, he says they'll be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And listen, everybody has a journey that they have to walk on. Everyone has a journey that they have to go through and go on. And nobody knows your story, your pain, or what you've been through. But God does. But you have to understand something. Just because of how you feel, the rules don't change. The book doesn't change for you. It stays the same. And the truth is, your peace, your joy, and your true happiness will come when you follow His Word. Oh, well, you know, Pastor Alex, you're just putting us under the law. No, I'm not. Let's finish the letter. Let's finish the address. Are you guys, are you guys okay? So he says they'll have a form of godliness, but denying its power. In other words, listen, they'll be in church. They'll be in church. They'll, be, they'll come to church. They, they might even be here every Sunday. They might have their hands raised in worship, but they don't believe God can do anything supernaturally. So they lean on their own understanding and they desire to do things according to their flesh. They deny the power. They deny that if I trust God, I'm gonna have the breakthrough. If I do what he says, I'm gonna have the miracle. It might not be comfortable for a while. It might be painful for a while. I'm gonna go through some stuff and I know it's not gonna be good and I'm gonna have to maybe do what the Bible actually says and pick that cross up. You see, the problem is, the problem is, is that we've been taught that it's just gonna be easy street. Where does it say that in the Bible? Yes, He will comfort you. Yes, He'll provide for you. Yes, He'll bless you in the midst of everything you'll go through in life. If you have been a Christian long enough, I don't care who you are, you have been through valleys and hills. But who, the ones who are, are the ones who, who are, the, are successful are the ones who hold on to God in the midst of the valleys and the mountaintops. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, in the last days, perilous times will come. It's going to become bad. Where? In the church. In the church, because what's going to happen is they're going to start loving themselves. They're not going to want to listen to the Word. They're going to start loving their, their own ways and wanting things to be done their own way. And they're going to be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And so they're not going to want to listen to the Word. So they're going to do things. And, and if you listen to the address, it's, this is clear. This is what he's saying. Amen. But now it's about to get really good, okay? He says, they'll have a form of godliness, but now it's power. He says, and from such people turn away. He's telling his son, Timothy, who's the pastor of the biggest church in Ephesus. He says, listen, when you see these individuals, I'm sure when you, in the context, he's do everything you can, Timothy. But if they're not gonna wanna listen to you, if it gets to the point where it gets like this, you need to turn away from them. He's not writing to a church, he's writing to an individual. He's writing to a pastor. But the lesson is for all of us. 
So the lesson is beware of these in the last days. And that's when you're going to see the true and false church. You're going to see the divide. He says, for of this sort are those who creep into the household and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. In other words, they come in, they, they take advantage of people, they take advantage of women they, that, that are wanting. And then he says, well, let me read the next part because it just ties in so nicely. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Let's go to this church on Saturday. Let's go to this church on Sunday. Let's go to this church on Wednesday. This church believes this. This church believes that. That church believes that. You can never arrive at anything. You commit to nothing. You're floating around like a lost sheep. And listen, if you have another church and you visit us, that's great. Come and visit us, but be plugged in somewhere. Be plugged in somewhere. And be careful because they come as sheep in wolves the other way around. You got it. Wolves in sheep's, yeah, amen. Clothing. <laughs> and he says that these individuals, they, they look for you. They come in. Who are we talking about? We're talking about those that are doing that list. They're going to creep into the households of faith. They're going to lead many astray. They're going to take advantage of you because they see your desire to learn. But there must come a point where you, where you, yes, you continue to learn, but now you must begin to bear fruit. Now you must get connected. Now you must get plugged in. Amen. He says, now, now, now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt mind disapproved concerning the faith. That's a serious warning disapproved that means that they're not approved Janus and Jambres were the two magicians that tried to imitate the truth but ultimately were overpowered by the truth their snakes which were fake and they tried to do like some little wizard trick apparently from what I understand they were like sorcerers but they may have been doing some form of illusionism and they would take these snakes that could become almost stiff throw it on the ground and it could turn into a snake but what did Moses' snake do? it ate their snakes the truth is the truth and what's false will always eventually be exposed and that's exactly what the scripture says in the next verse he says but they will progress no further their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was eventually the truth will come out the day will come it when in the in the last days the divide will be clear the problem is is that even the elect will be deceived this is not a joke this is so serious it's so serious. It's serious to me. I don't want to be deceived. I want to make sure that I stay close to God. What do I need to do? Stay low. Stay low. Stay low. Listen, nobody's perfect. I am not perfect. There is no way. I can't be perfect. I make mistakes. I get upset. I do things wrong. But I stay low, guys. I stay close to Him. I stay low. I stay close to Him because I need to learn. I need to hear His voice. I can't hear His voice when I'm puffed up. I can't hear His voice when I think a lot of myself. But when I'm in a low place, 
and I'm dependent on Him. And I say, God, I can't get up this evening and preach this message unless you come with me, Holy Spirit. I need you to come, Lord. Lord, help me to bring it across in a way that the people will hear your voice, not mine. He says in verse 10, but you have carefully followed my doctrine. Now listen to this because this is so important. You've followed my doctrine, manner of life. In other words, the way that I live, the purpose, the vision, the mission, faith, long-suffering, love and perseverance. Verse 11, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I've endured, and out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Why is he saying this? Because he's trying to tell you that many will be deceived. Perilous times will come. They're going to follow ways that are not right because it's comfortable and easy and it sounds wonderful and we're all gonna get rich and we're all gonna make lots of money and we're all gonna be be a success and it's just easy street Christianity. Paul's saying, listen, follow my example. Follow the faith and follow what I've taught you. I'm telling you the truth, church. This is what he's saying. He says, listen, he says, let me give you my example. I was persecuted. I was almost killed. I was stoned. He said, but guess what? Even through all of that, the Lord delivered me every time so when they come against you when they curse you when they persecute you just stay low just stay low how low can you go how low can you go just stay low don't worry about what they said don't worry about what they accused you of let them say what they want to say you just stay low Oh, well, you know, Pastor Alex, you're just too cautious. Yes, I am. Why? Because I love you. No, you know, Pastor Alex, you know, you need to just, let's be free. Let's just, let everybody just do. No. No. I won't do it. I can't do it. Because I have to get alone with God and be accountable for it all. And when I, when I make a mistake or when I feel like I've let someone down or when something happens, you don't know what I have to go through. I'm the one who has to go before Him and say, Lord, this mess, what do I do? Instead of going, well, you know, Lord, did you see, did you see, what, did you see what He did? Smite Him. Just do it now, Lord. Come on, you did it for Moses. Just do it for me, Lord. Even if I think he's wrong. Lord, Lord, what do I do? His example is not one of glory. And he could listen. He could, he could tell you about miracles. He could tell you about handkerchiefs that were sent across the lands and people's, those handkerchiefs were laid on people. He doesn't say, Timothy, do you remember the handkerchiefs that were sent out? Do you remember, Timothy, that I would lay hands and I saw a man in his service, I prophesied and he got healed. Do you remember that, Timothy? No, he doesn't even talk about the miracles. He says, when it was hard, 
I stuck to the truth. When it was hard, I held on. When I didn't feel good, when it didn't feel nice to me, when it wasn't for myself or my own satisfaction, when I didn't, when I didn't understand why I wasn't having the breakthrough in that moment, I stayed close to God. I held on to His Word. I chose Him first above everything else. He says in verse 12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, watch this now, they might suffer persecution. In the last days, the persecution will increase the more you stand up for what God really wants to say in this hour. I desire all of God. I desire everything about him. I desire to know his names. I desire to know his nature. I desire to know his power. I desire to see it in my life. I desire to see it in your life. I desire the things that I desire to know and feel and understand for you to understand and know and and feel and experience. Are you guys with me? But I want what he wants more than anything. What's important to him is important to me. And the most important thing to him on this planet is what his son died for, which is you. So the warning at the end of Paul's life is so important. He says in verse 13, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving, now watch this, and being deceived. Why am I saying that? Because a lot of them, and I say this with humility, don't even realize they're being deceived. They are deceiving. Put the scripture up, please. And being deceived. I have witnessed people in deception. They have no idea. They are fully persuaded they are right. Let's pray to God that that will never be us. That we will not fall into deception. And these things that he tells us, this list of things that he tells us, amongst all the other things he teaches us, will help us to make sure that we don't. That's why he's writing to Timothy. Now it gets even better. Amen? He says this next part, and if I just, if there's, I just want you to remember this, okay? He says, but you must. Now he's talking to you guys. He's talking to Timothy. He says, this is what you're going to witness. He says, but you, Timothy. He says, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Well, Pastor Alex, why don't you just invite that guy to come and preach in our church? Who is he? Who's his pastor? I I don't know, Pastor Alex. You think I'm going to invite someone into my church? I don't even know who they are. I don't even know who their pastor is, who they learned from. Why am I asking the questions? Because Paul tells Timothy, listen, you need to know. You need to know who you're learning from. He says, listen, Timothy, don't be persuaded by all The things that you're going to hear that sound so good, like honey on the lips. 
on the honey on the ears, they sound so wonderful. He says, you must know from whom you have learned these things. Church, I've said it so many times, but I feel the urgency like never before. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you let in. It's not perfect here. I, I, I know that. There are better teachers out there than, than this church. There are better pastors than, than I am. There are many. But you need to know the fruit. I'm going to teach you about that over the next few weeks. Tomorrow I'm starting. You need to understand what fruit really is. You need to ask the right questions. In, in, in Pentecostal charismatic circles, which we definitely have more of, a, more of a bent towards because of our expression, but you know how I feel about that. We focus way too much on the gifts. When Jesus said nothing about the gifts when it came to judging someone that's a teacher. The only thing he said you look for is the fruit. So that means that we can't be impressed by gifts as wonderful as they are, before we allow someone to teach us or equip us, let's first find out who they are, where they come from. The only reason why I was confident to plant the church in Vero Beach was because I came out of a church where my pastor had served the Lord for like 40 years. He, he, he's now 74 years old or 73 years old. I've got, I don't even know exactly. And he's still going strong. And he still serves God. Do I only listen to him? No, I listen to others too. But I'm very cautious what I listen to. Because there are many out there that will deceive. Am I trying to say, no, listen, please, don't listen to anything, don't do anything. No, do it, but do your homework. Do it, because today technology is amazing. You have an opportunity to grow and learn so much. But don't be deceived or drawn with your eyes. Make sure you know what you're doing. This is a warning from Paul. He says, knowing from whom you have learned. Watch what he says. Verse 15. And from childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. <laughs> I could speak for an hour right there. Through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Listen. It all has to match the word. The Holy Spirit will lead you into truth, not into lies. The Holy Spirit will lead you and point you in the direction of Scripture always. That's what He does every time. Are you guys, are you guys okay? Now watch. Because we have a tendency to think that Scripture should never be used in a way to teach us or, or instruct us in any way that makes us feel like now we have a set of rules. But watch what he says. Verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. What does doctrine mean? Doctrine means instruction. Doctrine means education. Doctrine means teaching. In other words, Scripture is given to teach us, to educate us, to instruct us. It is given for reproof, he says. Reproof means, listen to me, discipline and rebuking. So sometimes when the pastor says to you, don't do it, it's gonna be bad for you. Don't get angry and come against him. 
Because all he's doing is he's telling you what the Word of God says. And the only reason why he could do it is because he loves you. Not because he doesn't want you to have fun. Or not because he doesn't understand your pain. Or not because he doesn't want you to be successful or be happy. I want all of that for you. But Scripture is given so that we can get back on track. So that we can get back going in the right direction. And the only time it doesn't work is when you reject it. So he says it's for reproof, which is discipline or rebuking. He says it's for correction. What does that mean? It's for correcting or putting something into restoration or for improvement. So scripture is given so that we can get back on track, so that we can go back in the right way. The Holy Spirit will lead you to these things. Teachers and preachers and, and people that you live with and, and fellowship with, they will help you and speak to you inspired by Scripture to discipline you and correct you. It's not always going to be, oh, don't worry, brother. You know, just go back to the bar tomorrow night. Just, you know, go ahead, get drunk again. It's all good, you know. Oh, it's okay. You can sleep with another couple of girls. No big deal, you know. God's grace is sufficient. Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more, brother. Don't worry, you know. Pat him on the back, you know. Of course, we, we, God's grace is, is sufficient. But if you keep doing it, it's going to get you into trouble. If you do what God's word says, you'll do well. If you do what, what he says you shouldn't do, you're going to have problems. So we teach these things. We instruct these things. We warn with these things. Not because we want to be mean. This feels like Sunday morning. Amen. I should have preached this tomorrow. Oh no, it's perfect tonight. <clears throat> oh, the next one's my favorite. And it's just like him to end with it, you know? This is why I just love the way Paul writes, because it's absolutely perfect. He says this, put it up for me, please, guys. The verse before this, we'll get there. All scripture is given. Okay, well, let's read it. All scripture is given by God. And it's profitable for all, for reproof, correction, for instruction in, for instruction in righteousness. <laughs> Why? Because it tells you how to live. The Word of God instructs us on how to live. And the one who will show it to you is the Holy Spirit. He will lead you into righteousness. But preaching can't always be about your feelings. The Word of God is not there just to make you comfortable. This is a serious thing. This is life and death. It really is. I mean, this is what this is all about. We're, 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 we're in this war. And lives are at stake. It's a serious thing. Next verse, we'll finish off with this. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is one of the, one of the last instructions. There's a few more after this, but this is one of the last instructions that Paul gives his spiritual son, Timothy, warning him about what's gonna come and telling him, listen, in that day, son, 
you preach the word, you correct, you reproof, you do what's necessary. Why? To help them so that they stay on the right track. So that they don't give in, where he says in other places, to doctrines of demons and seducing spirits that have no desire to do anything but kill, steal, and destroy. But you, you and your house, serve the Lord and follow Him all the days of your life. Make a decision. Make a decision. Listen, it's made me very unpopular many, many times. But I, have, I would have it no other way. Sometimes I may not do it the best way. I'm not perfect, guys. I wish I was. I really do. I want to do better, always. But my desire is just like Paul's. It's my desire. Because I want to see you make it successfully. Not just make it. Make it successfully into eternity. I want that for my family. I want that for the church. I want that for Vero Beach. I want that for Florida. Man, I'm so excited because I know what God is going to do in the city. And you are going to be a part of it. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, everything I've said tonight, I pray, Lord, that they will remember what you say. Father, what you desire, let them know it. Let, them, let, let it be seed planted in their heart that will never, ever be stolen from the enemy. I pray, Father, that everyone in this room, those watching online as well, Father, that they will draw close to you in this time. For, Lord, perilous times are literally here right now. The world is being shaken. And we know you'll shake the world many times, but this is a shaking that, Lord, it just, it just we sense the, the, the times. We sense that, that things are accelerating, that evil is being called good at an accelerated rate like we've never seen before, Father. What we didn't think possible five years ago is happening now. But I pray for the church this, this evening, Lord, that these things will not creep into your church that you will protect your bride, Lord. Father, that you will open their eyes and open their hearts and their ears to see and hear what you desire to show them. Father, so many people hurt and so many people go through so many things and it's in those times that it's sometimes difficult to see clearly. So I come against every deceiving spirit over any person in the sanctuary or even watching online and I break the power of that thing now in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that their eyes will see clearer than ever before. Lord, that you would lead them, that you would lead them by your Spirit this evening into paths of righteousness. Holy Spirit, that you will always highlight to us what you desire to say to us. And Lord, I, there's nothing more exciting than when I'm reading Scripture and I see something I've never seen before. The, 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 the feeling, the, 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 the joy that comes, Lord, when, when I see your word in a way that I've never seen it before and you speak to us. I pray, Lord, you will speak to your people like never before. 
Father, that we will go into a, into a time right now where we take things more seriously, Father, in every aspect, spiritually, materially, physically, in every area of our lives, Father. I pray the blessing of God over every person in this place this evening. Lord, I pray that not one, not one would be lost, but that they would be saved, that they would be saved, Father, and walk with you in eternity all the days of their life. For surely we only start living when we cross over to the other side. But while we are here, let us, let us do your will, Father. Let us walk this walk and run this race to bring glory to your name. For there is no other name. There is no other name. We honor you and we love you. I want to just ask right now with every head bowed and every eye closed. I, I'm, I just want you to, right there where you are, just take a moment and get serious with God, just for a moment. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand tonight, to come to the front or anything like that. I just want you to be honest with yourself. Have you really been following Him? Have you put Him first? Or has, been, been, has it been where He says, lovers of themselves more than lovers of God? Or lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God? Those two things. I think in some way, we're probably all a little guilty at times. So this is not to put you under condemnation, but in your heart, you'll know if you haven't really been following him the way you should. Don't be swayed by persuasive words of human wisdom, but the power of God which brings true transformation, which comes from his spirit and his word. Just. Just, just speak to him right now, right there where you are, watching online as well. I'm including you in this prayer. Just cry out to him. He knows your inner thoughts. He knows your heart. He knows everything you're going through, have been through. So just cry out to him right there where you are. Father, I pray right now for your precious people. Your presence is here, Lord. I'm so grateful, so thankful. Lord, just touch hearts this morning. Draw people back to you this, this evening, Father. We love you so much. We are so grateful that we know you. Lord, help us to always remember that you do not reject the humble. So let us always go to that place, God. We love you so much. We're so grateful to you. Thank you for these precious people, Lord. Thank you. They are yours. And I know, how, I know how much you love them, Lord. I, th I, think, I think I understand maybe it a little bit. I probably don't know. But I'm grateful, Lord, for the opportunity that you've given me to, to serve in this capacity. And I pray, God, that you will help each and every one of us to always stay close to you, to be led by you, Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful, Lord. Now I pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the love of the Father and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of you as you leave this place tonight. Go in His peace and may the joy of the Lord be your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, guys, before you go, I'm gonna open the altar up. I'll have leaders and pastors will be up here. If you want prayer, we'd be happy to pray for you. It's Saturday night, so we always wanna open up for prayer if you need healing or if there's anything going on that you need help with, we would love to pray for you. Otherwise, go in God's peace and we will see you tomorrow. I love you. Have a wonderful night. 
We'll see you tomorrow morning. Amen. God bless you.